Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, my name is Christopher Price of the Boston Globe, and welcome back to the Patriots Report here on the Believe Podcast Network. Joining me today is Kyrie Thompson of Boston.com, who has the distinction now of being the first three-time guest in the history of the podcast. Congratulations on becoming the inaugural inductee into the three-timers club. Kyrie, you're going to get your gold jacket in a ceremony a little bit later on this year. Uh, Let's officially put the wraps on the New England Patriots regular season. Patriots have lost three or four down the stretch as the Bills loom in the wild card contest Saturday night in Buffalo. Kyrie, how do we feel about the state of the team heading into the postseason? First of all, let's start on a positive note. I, I, it's an honor to be on with you for a third time. I feel like this is like I'm on SNL or something like that. <laughs> like, like I'm the, the Tom Hanks uh, group right now. I'll tell you this in regards to the Patriots. Um, I talked to a couple of people about this coming into this game. And, you know, specifically about the Jacksonville game, how badly did the Patriots need that game? Mm-hmm. And, you know, people kind of looked at it like, well, you know, it's the it's the Jaguars. Right. But but I, I said you needed to be reminded of the team that you can be the team that they were on that seven game winning streak. And for a week, they they did portray that team. You know, they, they played that team to a T putting up you know 50 points. And then they went right back to being as inconsistent as they've been after the bye. And I really thought it, it wasn't so much about the seeding for me, right? And, and ultimately, it was all a long shot because as long as the teams ahead of them took care of business, it didn't really matter what the Patriots did. You know, they, they were just winning to go into the playoffs on a good note, and they couldn't do it. And again, you're looking at this now. Um, they have lost three of their last four games. And, you know, one of them was, was to the Colts. They're not in the playoffs right now, and the Dolphins aren't in the playoffs, but those are, are teams with well, winning records, you know, or at least like, you know, not, uh, not, you know, horribly losing records, I should say. Um, and so I think that there's a definite element of concern because it feels like whatever the Patriots were doing during that winning streak, the teams have caught up to it and they're starting to expose, um, you know, some of these issues with uh, you know the Patriots offense in particular, I, I think. And then on top of that, the Patriots are compounding those, those issues with mistakes of their own that you don't expect them to make. So I think that the outlook for this team heading into this third Buffalo Bills game is not great. Did something happen in the Colts game that maybe exposed them a little bit on either side of the ball. I, you know, in, in the lead up to that game and, and you, you felt a level of confidence. I think if you were a new England fan going into that game, but it, it was interesting going back and rewatching hard knocks. And I don't know how much insight you're going to be able to get from that because they're going to show you what they want to show you, but it felt like their goal was to expose Mac a little bit. And I wonder if, something popped up on film for them and maybe in some other defensive meeting rooms across the league that said, oh, maybe we can get after Mac Jones if we do X or Y or Z. I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm surprised, honestly, that more teams weren't able to do some of this uh, earlier on. Um, And maybe that spoke to the quality of opponent that they were playing in some of these cases. I think that what happened with the Colts game 
is the Colts told you exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to force the game into Mac Jones's hands. And I saw a lot of people kind of scoffing at that and pointing to the, the Titans game and him putting up, you know, 300 plus yards. Um, you know, though the Titans kind of try to do the same thing. You know, they try to stop the run and make Mac Jones beat them. And I feel like while the, the numbers were good, there were some issues in that performance for Mac Jones. He was missing throws that you don't normally see him miss. And he just wasn't always as precise as the final box score would, would make out, in my opinion, at least. And then the Colts told you they were going to make Mac Jones beat them. And they executed that game plan to a T. And it, it starts with stopping the run. But I think that also there are a couple of things in the passing game that the Bills the very next week also took advantage of, which is Mac Jones, because of, you know, the somewhat limited arm strength and, and, you know, the way that he just prefers to play the game, he doesn't, you know, necessarily have that elite arm strength to throw the ball deep down the field outside the numbers. He did do it a little bit in, in uh, this past game, because I think the Dolphins were just daring him to do it. And, you know, he hit, you know, a couple of throws to, you know, Jacoby Myers and, and, you know, hit one to Hunter Henry. But I think for the most part, teams are saying, you know what, we know that you want to throw the ball, you know, kind of towards the, you know, the middle of the field, you want to hit somebody on a crossing route, you know, and, and use that accuracy and timing to hit somebody in stride. So we're going to try to take that away from you. And in particular, the, the guy that he looks for the most is Jacoby Myers in those situations. And, and I saw it way back in week three when, you know, the, the saints were kind of pseudo bracketing Jacoby Myers on these crossing routes and Mac Jones couldn't find him. And I thought to myself then, this is what teams are going to want to do because they know how much he relies on Jacoby Myers when he just wants, you know, a third down pickup or, or he really needs somebody. And look at what happens on the first pass attempt of the game. Xavier Howard sees Jacoby Myers sitting in the zone, breaks off of his, his cover two assignment in the flat and jumps throughout. They know. They know what, where he wants to go with the football, and they have seen enough tape by now to know that it's not that you know Mac Jones you know cannot you know throw these balls outside the numbers, but it's not his strong suit, and so teams are daring him to do that. I went back and kind of tabulated the numbers, and he was something like you know eight you know or, or it was like a eight for twenty six or something like that, throwing the ball deep you know down the field um, in those Colts. And, and Bill's second game. And I was just thinking like, yeah, I think this is exactly what teams are going to do. They're going to try and take away that underneath stuff, make Mac Jones challenge them. And then when they're in that situation where it's like, okay, like we know he likes to go to Jacoby Myers here, force him to go elsewhere. And I think Mac Jones kind of wants to, uh, he, he branches out occasionally to, you know, Hunter Henry on third down situations. He's got to do that more because teams know his tendencies at this point. This feels a little bit like that old baseball analogy where there's a young pitcher and now he's going through the lineup a second time and a third time and guys have seen what he can do and they can, they've, they've seen his pitches and they've seen his strengths and they've seen his weaknesses and now it's on the youngster to be able to make those adjustments himself. Yeah, and you know what? I also saw another thing. You know, that Matt Chatham brought up. I know you've had him on your show and I, I really enjoyed listening to that. And he brought up this Mac Jones is not the most, you know, fleet of foot necessarily, 
but he's leaving yards on the field sometimes when he's not running the football, when he breaks contain. I thought that there were a couple of, of points where he had green grass in front of him. He could have picked up five, six yards and he passed it up to throw the football into coverage and, and, and you know, to try to you know, make a throw on the run, which isn't necessarily what he does well. And, and on one hand, right, you, you want your rookie quarterback, you know, to show that he's keeping his eyes down the field yeah. and, he, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's trying to get the ball to a playmaker, right? Not take an unnecessary hit. All of that stuff is great, right? But I also think that teams, again, right, they know Mac Jones does not, not only does he not run very often, he's, he's you know, a pocket passer, wants to get the ball out of his hands to his playmakers. He does not want to run. And so they're not respecting it. You know, they're just kind of, they're just, they're sagging, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. dropping back, you know, when he, when he escapes contain, you know, whether it's to his right or to his left, and they're saying, you go ahead and you take the five, six yards, we'll give it to you, you know, we'll let you slide down, but we're not just going to let you, you know, dump the ball over our heads for a 20 yard game. And there was a moment where I saw him scramble to the right. And then he tries to, you know, throw the ball downfield to, and he turfs it probably about four or five yards short. Uh, you know, on, on a receiver heading towards the sideline. And I'm thinking, could you have gotten a couple of yards there? Like, I'm pretty sure you, you could have kept the, the chains, you know, moving a little bit more. So I, I think that's another thing is that's an adjustment that he can start to make as well as, you know, looking for more people in those clutch situations, as you mentioned, right. You know, when, when, you know, you get through the lineup a couple of times, you know, maybe you need to start switching up your pitches a little bit. You know, maybe you need to go with a different sequence. Maybe you need to put a little more juice on it. You know, like there, there are a number of things that, that you have to know that you can do within your measure to get people out. Or in this case, keep the ball moving down the field. And there are things right there in Mac Jones's face that I think that he can do that the Patriots coaching staff can do. You know, they started against the Bills to, you know, have Jacoby Myers you know, break in towards the, you know, the, the defense where they were kind of waiting for it. And then he breaks back out for, you know, one of those little whip routes and, you know, gets a good gain out of it. Those are little things that, that they can do and they're going to have to do against Buffalo. I, I don't think this is necessarily a question specific to Mac, but I think it's part of the conversation. I don't think this team right now, specifically you know, on the offensive side of the ball is built to play from behind. I think we saw that in the Colts game that they came out, they got blown out early and they had to try and make it up. And they just, they, they're not equipped to be a quick strike offense. But I, I also think we saw some of that on Sunday against Miami. And, and while they were able to get back into the game and they were able to make it close, I think an ideal situation for them is running the ball, controlling the clock, imposing their will on the other team. And look, that's the formula for success for everyone. But I think it's especially paramount given what the Patriots have right now on offense, because I don't think that they're capable of playing from behind. I think that, you know, that's spot on because when you look at what they do best and when they have played the best football, it has not necessarily been when they're airing it out a whole lot. You know, it's been when they're running the football and they're, and they're dominating on the ground when they're getting Trent Brown out in space on linebackers and, and, and destroying them, you know, or when they've got Michael Onwenu in the game all the time as an extra lineman and they're just pancaking people down the field. Like, like that's, that's Patriots football right now. And again, it's not that Mac Jones is bad. 
right? It's not that you can't have him throw the ball. Mm -hmm. It's just that they, they have to play complementary football or they can't win against a good team. Like it, it, it seems like it's just as simple as that. And so when, and it felt eerily like that week one game to me, it's like the defense goes out, the defense gives up a first drive score. And, you know, they, they also gave up a score uh, at the beginning of the second half too. And that ended up really being the difference in the game. And I, I kept on thinking to myself, like, when is the offense, you know, going to prove that, that, that they've progressed from that point. And obviously, right. You had the, the, the pick six right off the bat and it, and it, and it puts you in a hole. And I think that the, the Patriots receiving core, while they, you know, have performed admirably this year, they still don't have it all together, right? You've got Kendrick Bourne as your best receiver, right? And your know, Jacoby Myers is very reliable, but, but again, you know, if, if, you know, Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers are your number one and two receivers, that's not a really dynamic group. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Hunter Henry has been all right, you know, in, in the red zone, especially, but it's not like he's had an amazing year. Jonu Smith gets a carry and maybe a catch a game and that's all you get. Nelson Aguilar has been out of the lineup for much of the time. And he you know, finally, you know, made it back into the lineup, but you almost wouldn't know he was there most of the time. Right. So, so it's like, yeah, they can't necessarily, you know, be playing from behind because they don't have the personnel in the passing game to do it. Even something as simple as having James White would be a big deal. Oh. Not that. Yeah. And, and I mean, Brandon Bolden, Brandon Bolden played his best game of the year yeah. yesterday. And, and I think that his contributions really, um, you know, kept them in that game. Um, but but having James White and his ability to just exploit matchups, like, I mean, seriously, ha- something as simple as that with the rest of the personnel that they already have would, would be a big addition. And they're missing him a lot right now. What's the deal with Jonu Smith? I, I mean, just to kind of just boil it right down to its essence, is, is this a guy who needs more time in the offense? Is this a guy who is struggling to pick things up? What's your sense of why he has not had the production that I think that they would like him to have this season? Some of it is because he's, he's just not being looked towards. Um, you know, I saw a film breakdown after the, the Bills game in which it shows, you know, John U. Smith gets a one-on-one in the red zone and beats his guy and Mac Jones looks elsewhere. You know, he, he like it would have been, you know, somewhat of a challenging throw, but it was a makeable throw. It's a throw that, you know, you would want, you know, your quarterback to you know be able to attempt. And I think that was something that I've been looking at Mac Jones throughout this this year. There have been a few times when he's rolled the dice a little bit in the red zone. But for the most part, he plays it relatively safe. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of looking at at that play and a couple of other plays I've seen this year where Johnny Smith is running wide open down the seam. And the, you know, again, doesn't look his way. And it's like, man, that could have been a really huge play for Johnny. That could, you know, kind of change the narrative a little bit about him. I think, I, I don't know, the rest of it, I think they've just had a hard time figuring out how exactly to get him the football. I mean, he's not necessarily the most polished kind of route runner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that you want to get the ball to him in space and, and give him room to run and get some blocks out in front of him. He can he can chew up yards that way. But I just feel like for, for whatever reason, that has not that, that's been kind of a you know tertiary, you know, kind of development in this offense behind just okay, let's 
get out here and just just pound the ball, right? Or, you know, Mac Jones is going to look to Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne or, you know, Hunter Henry. Like, those are the people that he has, you know, developed the most rapport with. And I just, I never feel like I see that with, with Jonu Smith in the passing game. And so I think that, you know, to your, to your point, it's probably just got to be more time, more reps, a more concerted effort to be like, look, okay, we've got Jonu Smith one-on-one here. We like this matchup, throw him the football and you know, let him come down and make a play with it. I mean, he, he had, you know, eight touchdowns a year ago. He's, he came in build as this, this red zone threat. And you should be able to look at this and be like, when we get in the red zone, we've got two red zone, you know, big red zone threats in, in Henry and in John Smith. We're only using one of them. So I think it's not just about the way that the offense is. I think it's also about the quarterback and, you know, kind of needing to, to look for him in some of these situations. I want to flip things over to the other side of the ball. How much of what happened on Sunday against Miami, at least defensively, can be attributed to not having Dante Hightower and Kyle Duggar on the field? You know, looking back at it in hindsight, I think it's a big deal because you look at how did the Dolphins win? I mean, Tua only threw for, you know, 109 yards on 15, <laughs> on 15 completions, right? That was anemic. Like, there was really nothing to be afraid of in the passing game. Duke Johnson buried them. And, and I feel like that was... You know, he, he's really kind of changed that that Dolphins running game because they just weren't really doing much of anything with Miles Gaskin. And then they have Duke Johnson coming in here. And, and, and I mean, I've watched him for a while in his career, and I feel like I don't necessarily recall him playing like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like ha- having a game like that, 117 yards on 25 carries and really being physical, right? Running through arm tackles. He's not a big guy. No, he's right? not. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's really not. He's a guy that you should be able to corral with the personnel that they had, even without Dante Hightower and Kyle Duggar. But the fact that they didn't have them, you know, a couple of their, their most physical run defenders, it makes, it apparently makes the Patriots a much less physical team in the run game. And when the Patriots aren't stopping the run, I mean, against a good team, that that is a problem because, I mean, J.C. Jackson is, you know, is, is very good. Right. But the rest of the secondary, you know, and, and is 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 good to average. And, and you know that you can kind of pick on, you know, if, if you, you know, pick your times to do it, you can pick on Jalen Mills a little bit, you know, or Joan Williams when he plays or, you know, Miles Bryant a little bit when he when he plays. And so it really does kind of all start with forcing other teams to be one dimensional. And I mean, the dolphins were one dimensional just because two is not that good, but again, being able to just kind of grind clock and, and not be able to, you know, allow, you know, your defense to get off the field. I mean, that that's just not a way that you're used to seeing the Patriots be beaten. I, I'm glad you bring up the secondary here. And I, I have no, way to quantify this look i I know that jc jackson's having a pro bowl year i I know that he is one of the best cornerbacks in the league but the rest of the secondary after jackson and duggar and the reliability that you see on a week-to-week basis from devin mccourty feels a little bit unsettled right now yeah and and i think right even with you know devin mccourty right um you know dropping that interception i mean 
who knows if he would have really done anything with it necessarily, but the, the cascade of events, the, the cascade of events that happened after that interception mm-hmm. really would have been great if he had caught that ball. But, but yeah, Adrian Phillips, another really good, versatile player. He just, I, he looks like he's, a, it just looks like Phillips is a, a little bit banged up right now. And, and look, he's, yeah. he's played really well since he arrived and I'm not necessarily taking a shot at his overall level of play, but he just looks like he's being dogged by something at this point in the season. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And, and again, right. So you look at the safety group, safety group is pretty good is arguably the best position group that they have, you know, all things considered on the defense. And then I, I feel I find myself being a bit surprised that teams, you know, they, they were going after Jalen Mills a little bit more in the, in the beginning of the season with more success. And, you know, maybe it's they've helped him out with more zone coverage as opposed to making Jalen Mills play a lot of man. But I feel like, you know, you can have, you know, this secondary if, if you want it, as long as you're not picking on J.C. Jackson too much. Right. So, I mean, obviously like there, there was the, the, you know, whatever the uh, miscommunication was on the touchdown to Waddle in the beginning, but then, you know, JC Jackson going up against Devontae Parker. I mean, he can, he can cover anybody, but you don't feel that level of confidence with the other guys, even, you know, with, with miles Bryant has played well. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's tough, he's scrappy, you know, he'll get in there and mix it up. But, but again, I, I just feel like the talent level is not good enough to if if a team is going to make concerted efforts to break you down in the passing game with with a good attack and and again that's that's what the bills did to them in week 16 right they ran the ball decently but it wasn't like you know they demolished them on the ground or anything like that it was josh allen stefan Diggs, and that receiving core just making plays and getting open and and i feel like that's the thing that you know you should be afraid of if if you're the Patriots because you know that's a team that you know doesn't necessarily run the football all that well but they don't have to do that to beat you and if and if you know that's the case you're in trouble what's happened to Matthew Judah is the slippage in play down the stretch COVID related or is there something else there because look I, I was ready to crown this guy as the thinking man's defensive player of the year after the first half of the season and since you know, about the two-thirds point, uh, he's kind of fallen off the radar screen a little bit. And, and you know, I think, um, you know, the, the drop-off was happening before that even. You know, I went back and looked at this. After, after the bye week, so after that Buffalo win, right, um, you know, on, on Pro Football Focus, you could check it out. He only had one game the entire season before the bye where he didn't have at least three pressures on the quarterback, right? It, it was just the, the New York Jets game mm-hmm. uh, where they, they blew them out. Um, so it didn't really matter that much. After that, though, one pressure versus the Colts, one pressure versus Buffalo, nothing in limited action versus Jacksonville, and two pressures versus Miami. I mean, I think that you know some of it is teams you know maybe paying a little bit more attention to him, but yeah, I, I, I can't really tell you. Maybe he's also a little bit banged up, but he just doesn't look like he quite has the same juice that he had earlier in the season. You know, the, the, the moves that you're used to seeing, right? The, you know, 
the the inside moves and the occasional the speed rushes and the bull rushes like none of it really seems to be getting home and then on top of that you have you know the the costly roughing penalty on on Tua mm-hmm. uh, or rather it could have been costly uh, they ended up not mattering it you know at the end of the half but then you have him breaking contain you know allowing contain to be broken in the run game right so it's not even just about the lack of productivity in the pass game you you were looking at him as being a a pretty stout edge defender on the ground as well. And he didn't do it on a really big play. I mean, it was a first play of the second half when you're thinking to yourself like this, we really need to show that we can get a stop on these guys, you know, coming right out of the half and 27 yards right out the gate from Duke Johnson. And I noticed, and a couple of other people noticed he was on the sidelines right away after Mm -hmm. both of those mishaps. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if, if there is maybe something going on with him health-wise. They're trying to keep him a little bit fresh if, if they can for the playoffs uh, because something's going on. Um, maybe he is, you know, in, in the you know, last couple of weeks kind of working his way, you know, back from you know, the COVID illness. But, I mean, Kyle Van Noy has been, you know, one of the, you know, kind of underrated players on this defense. I think he's been very good all the way throughout. But Matthew Judon being as good as he's been has been, I, I think the, the thing that's made the defense go in a lot of ways, aside from JC Jackson, shutting everybody down that pressure up front that he provided for so long, you know, when, when you can harass another team's quarterback like that, that's a premium in the NFL. And the fact that they have, he has not been able to do that just feels like it can't be coincidence that they're not winning now. Mm-hmm. Should Cam Acord get his LinkedIn page ready? Yeah, I'm kind of feeling like he that he needs to. I, I, I mean, just, because what? I, look, look, I mean, and, you know, you we can argue the Bolden penalty, and I think it was BS. I, you know, I, I think in hindsight it was a bad call, but I don't know if I've ever seen a group of special teamers in New England come up as short as I've seen this group come up over the course of the season. This is just, and this team doesn't have that level of the margin for error. I mean, this used to be, in my experience, a difference maker for this franchise. In this year, it has most certainly not been. Yeah, and you know, what is it, four block punts? You know, or I something think it's three, but season? still, yeah. Three? Yeah. yeah, So, so I mean, it's definitely up there in terms of the NFL, and it's not something you ever want to see from a Patriots team. It's not what as you mentioned, you're used to seeing, but again, even something as simple as, you know, Lawrence guy Mm -hmm. who, I mean, I mean, this guy has played so much football, right. And, and I mean, he's probably been on however many punt block, you know, teams to, to make that mistake to cover the center as obviously as he did. I, I mean, Sure. On one hand, you're, you're thinking to yourself, like, come on, Lawrence, you should you should know better than that. But that's still a reflection on the coach. Mm-hmm. How does that ever happen? Right. Like, like that, that should that should never be something that, that ha- you know, happens in practice. You nip it in the bud. Right. And it never happens again. And and so I think that, you know, the kind of anemic return game, too, there really isn't a whole lot going on there. Um, I even think back to, you know, the, the odd decision to. Uh, you know, in Buffalo, in a snow globe, you got Nikhil Harry trying to field punts. And I don't understand that, yeah. you know? And, and so I just feel like there, there have been a number of, you know, execution and personnel decisions that have been made with special teams that simply just 
don't jive with this idea that we all have of the Patriots being one step ahead of everybody. And so, yeah, I, I feel like and we were thinking about this yesterday, you know, a couple of people is that I feel like there's no way Bill Belichick can feel good about this, right? There's got to be, uh, you know, a, a tightening up and a more attention to detail than what they've gotten right now. And, and you know what, I'm, I'm sure that that was something that, you know, he saw on Cam Acord and, you know, that, that he certainly expects from him, but it's just not happening right now. And, and, and I feel like you, you can't come out of this season pleased with what the special teams has done. I mean, it, it's become a liability for a team that should, you know, that, that should be a lot better. I don't really know how else to say it. We spent a lot of time on the negative, I feel like, over the course of the last half hour or so. But I want to add in some positive before we start to wrap up. Give me three reasons to be optimistic about the state of the Patriots here at the start of the postseason. Well, I think that, um, I mean, the, the hope is that you are you know, pretty familiar with the opponent you're about to face. And you've had success, you know, against them this year, you know, playing your brand of football and, and just generally like, like going beyond Buffalo, even this, this, you know, brand of football that the Patriots play this run first, beat you up in the trenches kind of stuff. That is the kind of football that, you know, seems for whatever reason to, you know, to win a lot of games in, in the postseason. you know, if the weather gets colder, you know, or teams are, you know, more beat up. Uh, in in the you know towards the back half of the season and you know that physical style of playing can kind of wear on you I think that you know that kind of team you know whether you know they're playing particularly well at this point in time or not is you know a team that is built to make you know a surprising run so I mean like yeah I, I could I could see them potentially winning a playoff game I don't think it's a great matchup for them at this point in time but they have proven that they can beat that team um, I also think that while, you know, for example, they're going to go into this game without the better quarterback, right? And in some cases, they're going to go into it without having the, the better skill positions or, or the, the momentum. What they do have is the best coach, the best coach in football. And so you're thinking to yourself like, okay, look, been in this situation a lot of times. I mean, you won six Super Bowls for goodness sakes. Like this is, this is why you're here. Right. And, and it's time for Bill Belichick and, and his staff, you know, to kind of make that difference. And they've proven time and time again that they can do it. And I think that, you know, the the other thing is that while there are some issues with Mac Jones um, in, in terms of, you know, what teams are kind of starting to uh, see him as in the last couple of weeks, like what they're trying to make him do and kind of preying on his weaknesses a little bit. I think that he, he's a rookie that has a lot of experience with, with big games. And so I don't necessarily think that we're going to see Mac Jones implode in the playoffs. I think that he's going to be better potentially, you know, at least that's the, the, uh, you know, projection, the hope, right. But I think he's going to be, you know, better than your typical rookie. And I, I think that in theory, he won't necessarily cost you, you know, the, the entire game, right? Again, he's, he's been in these situations um, and he's overall had a pretty good year. This is a speed bump for him, but he's proven that he has been able to 
you know, overcome some of those, those, you know, kind of rookie mistakes. And this is just going to be his time to, to see if he can do it. I don't know that they're going to you know, be able to, as you mentioned, come from behind and win a game. Right. But if it comes down to can Mac Jones, you know, make that play for you, um, you know, get that first down when you need it, you know, when the game is tied or you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're trying to run down the clock. He's shown at points this year that, that he is capable of doing that. So um, it's, it's a little bit of a hedge sort of positive, but I, I think that, you know, all in all, I'm not super, super down on Mac Jones just yet. I think the other thing too, I, I would add in yeah. is that other than the chiefs, there doesn't appear to be a team in the AFC right now. And, and even the chiefs have their flaws. That is a dominant franchise. You know, every one of these teams has a flaw going into the postseason. There, there are no teams that you can look at and say, look, there should be far and away. They are the team that's going to go to the Super Bowl. They're the odds on favor to win the whole thing. At least from, you know, as we sit here right now, what on January 10th, there are no dominant teams in the AFC. The conference remains wide open which I think really maybe in the long term could ultimately end up, you know, working in the Patriots favor. Yeah. And, and, and I think, right. Like you've got the Titans and the chiefs as, you know, the, the top seeds, you know, and, and, and I think that they, they are really, you know, the, the two best teams mm -hmm. in the conference. And I think, you know, again, right. Like I, I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times, the Titans getting back Derrick Henry, if Derrick Henry is anything, like what what we're used to seeing that's dangerous you it's, don't want to play i agree i that's a great point if they get henry back at something close to 75 percent, he's a difference maker for them you don't want to play that team i wouldn't want to play that team you know and and i mean you know they're gonna you know basically you know get him back in the playoffs in the moment that he shows that he is you know basically recover the you know you can give the ball to that guy 75 times you know, and, and you could still win, you know, with with uh, Ryan Tannehill. I ultimately think that, you know, the, the Chiefs are the, you know, potentially the class of of the conference just because, you know, they have you know the most explosive offense and the defense has been better than we're used to seeing from them, I think. Um, but they are vulnerable. Every team in this conference is vulnerable. And so I think that you know, this, this is, this is why football is so interesting. You get one game. And so if you can get things to go right for you for one game, you come up with the right game plan, you get, you know, a, a great game out of, you know, a couple of players, right. Or an entire unit is even better, right. You can beat anyone. And so I think that there, there is no reason to think that the Patriots cannot, you know, win a playoff game maybe two playoff games, depending on who they end up playing. After that, it's, it's, it's all a bonus. Um, but, but I think that, um, you know, even if it's not looking terribly hopeful right now, you shouldn't necessarily pack, you know, the Patriots bags just yet, because again, they have beaten this Buffalo team before. It's all about seeing, uh, you know, if they can learn from what happened last time and make adjustments. Here's a stat line for you for Saturday night. Janu Smith, nine catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns. How about that? <laughs> now, if that happens, the Patriots probably win in a romp, <laughs> right? Because that that would just be that would be something insane. Um, 
And I don't necessarily see that happening, but, but think about this, right? Using nine catches, 118 yards, you get that man five catches for 50 yards. And I feel like you're cooking with gas Yeah, because yeah. that's something that, that like, I, I don't, I don't know that he's even done that this year. Right. I think you might have topped 50 yards like one time or something mm-hmm. like that, but you know, 50 yards receiving. But but yeah, get that guy, get that guy the ball, get him I, involved. I feel like this roster and we're going to talk about this, you know, moving forward in the offseason. But, you know, if you can somehow attach the jumper cables to Johnu Smith's career and get James White back, even though he's going to be a year older, this, this offense is going to be OK. They're going to need to add to it. You know they're they're going to have to go out and probably get another wide receiver, but and, and that's look that's another question for you know down the road. But I, I think offensively they're not that far removed, even with Mac under center. I yeah I, I agree with that. And I think because right now you look at it right, it's not just the free agent signings; it's the fact that you know they hit on multiple draft prospects Mm -hmm. right and and you we haven't even talked really much about you know Ramondre Stevenson that much so I mean he's not the he's not James White but he's a more natural or at least the potential to be a more natural weapon in the pass game than you know a Damian Harris would be he's got good hands he runs the ball really well just really physically he's got great feet and, and, and and all of that and so he, he gives you a little bit more there. I think it would be great for them to get, you know, if, if not James White, you know, if, it, if it's in the end, you know, he's getting up there in years and, you know, they want to move on from there, then you got to get somebody who I think, you know, is a bit more dynamic than a Brandon Bolden. And yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I'd have to look into the contract situation, you know, because I don't know that you necessarily that uh, cutting Nelson Aguilar at this point is is doable. You probably have to eat mm-hmm. some money to do that. But if you could trade Nelson Aguilar, you know, and get some value for that and then maybe sign somebody else. Um, you know, I talked to uh, you know Brad Spielberger, pro football focus, you know, last week about the Patriots. Uh, you know, he's you know, one of their salary cap experts and Patriots have a really healthy cap situation. You know, they're top half of the league in terms of, uh, you know, free cap space for next year. So they've got money to spend and they could potentially, you know, free up more room. I think that uh, the the resources definitely are, are going to be more important, probably on the offensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. both to build around Mac Jones, but also because on the other side of things, I think it, it's a little bit more set or at least you have young prospects in place that maybe you want to get a look at at linebacker um you know or you know on the you know interior of the defensive line or you know some or you even at cornerback you can see what sean wade can do it's really going to be about can what do you what can you do to get the most now out of mac jones all right rapid fire before we finish up give me your team mvp Right now, I'm going with J.C. Jackson. I mean, he's been, you know, locked down from, you know, basically day one, one of the best cornerbacks in football. This was, this was a huge year with a lot of expectations put on him when Stephon Gilmore first, you know, didn't play. And then when they traded him and he's risen to the challenge you know, from, from the start. I mean, it, it wasn't always perfect, right? There were a couple of times where they like, got, got on a jump ball or two, mm-hmm. but I, I think that, you know, for the most part, I mean, what more could you really ask for out of him? I would have had 
um, you know, Matthew Judon in there, uh, you know, if not for uh, some of the, the issues that he's had in recent weeks where he just simply hasn't, you know, seemed to show up as much. But J.C. Jackson's been great uh, from the beginning. Team Rookie of the Year, non-Mac Jones division. Give me Christian Barmore. I mean, that guy was insanely disruptive. Um, you know, from, I mean, it was, it was always building. Like, like once he got on the field a little bit more in training camp, I felt like you could see it, you know, the pressure here, pressure there. They started giving him more snaps. I mean, you know, he, he became, you know, the, the most trusted defensive lineman on this team as a rookie. You know, I, I feel like that's, that's a big, big deal to me on a team with a bunch of veterans and the guy that they signed and, you know, Devon Godshaw and Lawrence Guy, who's played, you know, for so many years here. And, and then, you know, your, your best uh, interior defender is, is a rookie and he's only going to get better uh, with that in mind. Obviously you hope that he's uh, you know, he's okay with his injury. You know, I've heard, you know, Bill Belichick say that um, they were hopeful um, that maybe it wasn't as, as bad as, as it potentially looked uh, because they really don't want to lose him for any extended period of time. Team Rookie of the Year, Mac Jones Division. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can you say? I mean, from, from the time he's gotten there, um, you know, it, again, hasn't all been perfect. I mean, he's hit a couple of highs and lows, but, I mean, for a rookie quarterback, I mean, not everybody can be a Justin Herbert, right? You know, to, to play as awesome as he did as a rookie, you know, and, and stuff, that's not the norm, right? You know, Dak Prescott, not the norm. Mac Jones was about as close to that as, as we've seen in recent years uh, from, from a rookie. And so, uh, you know, I, I think there is something to build on there with him. Um, I've seen people, you know, not convinced he's the guy yet. I mean, I think that even with, um, you know, uh, you know, other rookie quarterbacks that have struggled, you can't necessarily, uh, you know, just kind of write them off. And as with Mac Jones, like you can't write off, uh, you know, what he is just yet either. He's, he's going to learn more. He's going to learn more about the offense. He's going to get a little bit stronger. And I do think he's going to get even better than this. But I mean, again, from a rookie quarterback, what more could you possibly want? He's been really good. Where does Brian Flores end up next year? Oof. <laughs> I mean, I think that Brian Flores deserves another head coaching job. Uh, I like so many people around, you know, football was shocked that they, that they let him go though. A couple of people that I talked to were because they heard some of the rumblings that he didn't get along with, you know, with Tua Tungo-Vailoa. Um, they didn't get along with Stephen Ross and, you know, uh, you know, some of the things that were coming out of there. Um, I, I still think though, that uh, I, I don't know that he ends up in, in Houston, you know, with like a Nick Casario, uh, I could see him taking over a place like, you know, the like the New York Giants potentially, or you know, some some place that's looking for you know a little bit more you know stability, a little bit more edge um, and and toughness. And I think that when you look at what he just did with this Dolphins team, you know, we had them ten and six last year. They were left for dead at one and seven, clawed their way back into the playoff picture. Um, you know, it, it, it might not always be, uh, you know, perfect there either because I you know, heard that runs through assistance and, you know, things like that. But 
I think the results kind of speak for themselves. And I think if you're looking for a guy that is going to come in and bring a winning attitude and is going to produce results, I mean, he, he's done it the last couple of years. So, yeah, I'd be looking at a team, you know, like like the <laughs> uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say the Giants because it sounds like Joe Judge is, is uh, you know, staying. Um not as sure I how, as I but... take a look at that, yeah, I'm I'm not either. I would have definitely had him being fired. But my next team on the list would probably be the Minnesota Vikings because I feel like that is exactly the kind of hire that they want, that they would like. is is a is a tough minded guy who you know really plays to that whole Midwestern cold weather. You know, we want to play tough physical defense and run the ball kind of thing. I think he'd be great there. Two things. First of all, if Tua got Brian Flores fired, that sucks. And then secondly, I know you're a Bears fan. How does this grab you? Brian Flores, next head coach of the Chicago Bears. I'd be with it. Um, I personally think that if you're talking about a former Bill Belichick disciple that I would want for the Chicago Bears, I would kind of like a Josh McDaniels Mm -hmm. uh, if he were available and interested. Because what the Bears really need, most of all, is somebody to develop Justin Fields. And I've looked at, you know, some of the the things that were said about Fields coming out of New England pre-draft. And and I think that some of that reported interest that New England, you know, like kind of coming out of here in Fields was coming from, you know, McDaniels, or at least I I could see that being the case. Don't quote me on that. Like, don't have, have, you know, the source Right. But I could definitely see that being the case. He was there at Fields Pro Day. Um, I also think that, um, you know, when when I think about Flores, right, he would be a very good hire there. And I think, you know, what I've been hearing is that the Bears are definitely interested in in, in, you know, improving the diversity of their staff. And obviously uh, Flores would fit into that. Um, But I think that it, it would it would definitely be a little bit too much on the oh, well, we just had an offensive guy, so we need a defensive guy to, you know, kind of right the ship. An so overcorrection. Stand- yeah, exactly. So from that standpoint, I'm not so sure. But in terms of him, you know, just being able to come in and produce results and, and again, being around, you know, a winning attitude, winning culture, that's something Brian Flores would give you. So if he ended up as the head coach of the Bears, I'd be in with that. Kyrie Thompson, thank you so much for taking the time today. Again, congratulations on being the first member of the Three Timers Club. I appreciate you taking the time to join the podcast once again. Let people know where they can read your stuff and where they can hear you. Absolutely. You can read my stuff on boston.com. Me and the rest of the great team that we've got over there. You can follow me on Twitter at KDThompson5. I'm on there all the time. Feel free to reach out and uh, question my football opinions if you like. I like conversation. Thanks a lot uh, once again for having me on, Chris, and uh, I look forward to doing it with you again. Appreciate it, man. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.